Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Welcome to everyone tonight. If you're a guest, we welcome you. If you're watching online somewhere tonight, we welcome you as a part of this service as well. It's great to have Bishop and Mother Wright in service with us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. What an exciting weekend. Thankful for the blessings, the provisions of God that have brought us this far. So we are here this weekend to celebrate, give our thanks and praise and worship to God for what He's done. Amen. But we also, with great anticipation and faith, look forward to the future and what He is going to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you're not standing and you're able to stand, if you would stand, I am personally, I don't know if anybody else is or not, but I am very excited about this weekend. We've done many anniversary celebrations through the years, the last several years, including our 40th anniversary and a lot of great speakers. We were so blessed at our 40th anniversary to have who at the time was our general superintendent, Brother Kenneth Haney, and, and that was wonderful. Last year we were greatly blessed by Brother Stan Gleason's ministry and phenomenal time, but I'm, I'm excited this weekend to have the men that are going to be able to be with us because they went out from us. Paul, Paul talks about some that went out from us because they were not of us. These went out from us because they were of us and still are of us. And so, Brother Hemus, Brother Grossbach, and Brother Livy, uh, three men that were saved here and have gone out. And uh, I don't know what the best scriptural term is. I'll just use the natural term. And hopefully you'll be okay with it. But have gone out from here and have been great successes in the kingdom of God. Amen. And so tonight, if you're a guest or you're newer, just in case there's some of you thrilled tonight to have Brother and Sister Hemus, now missionaries to Liverpool. The Hemus got saved in 1990. They left in 2001. He said as of September 1, they're now in their 15th year, so we've got 45 years of missionary experience here on this platform. That is absolutely awesome. It's a wonderful thing. I am thankful the, through the years, uh, there's a little bit of an age difference between brother Hemus and myself but uh, he has become a great friend and thankful for the times that we've had to share together through the years and ministry opportunities and so we are so thrilled tonight to have back home now ministering in Liverpool brother John Hemus would you welcome him as he comes to minister tonight 
God bless you, folks. Well, the Bible says if I bless you, you're supposed to bless me back. He said, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. So God bless you, folks. Thank you. And can you give a wave to Liverpool? There's quite a few on the screen uh, watching you and all that sort of which are your wave, I don't know. But this is where I'm from, folks. This is where it all started. So thank you. Please take your seats. 25 years last, this last month, you, ba you baptized me in a horse trough. In the corridor, you do? Is it warm water now? It was freezing. 25 years ago last month, I was actually uh, baptized in the corridor in a little room over there somewhere. I don't know where I am geographically. Where am I? I was over there. <laughs> I pointed to England over there. Over there. And a lot of things in 25 years obviously has happened. Um, but this is not about what has uh, happened, if you want to say, to the ministry or going to England. This is celebrating uh, Bishop and Sister Wright's 45 years. And as soon as Pastor David Wright called me, I didn't even hesitate. I just wanted to be part of this. So I, I'm glad, I'm honoured that I am first up, because then I get preached to for the next three or four days. And I can put my feet up, if that's okay. But it is, it's such an honour, it really is. You don't understand that if I could sit back now 25 years later and know now uh, and go back 25 years, I'd be a different human being. But there's some things I had to learn. And I would say, Bishop, I learned the hard way. <laughs> and I'm really glad he's... No, I'm not glad he's, he's injured. But I can run faster than him tonight. So I can say some things that, uh, no, I'm not going to count on it. I'm expecting the miraculous to hit you immediately. And I'm not going to say anything because it might come upon me then, so I don't want to do that. But it, it was when, when Pastor uh, David Wright asked me, it was an instant uh, download of really um, what to say, or if you want to say, the leading to what to say. And it really came down to the years of us being here and the process of us actually getting out of this church to go and further our ministry, if you want to say that, into the mission field of Great Britain. And I know I've got behind me the esteemed, the esteemed Theodore Grossback. Is it... I think he's been a missionary for like, what, 65 years now, is he? <laughs> yes. And obviously there's some wonderful friends sitting in here, some friends that we haven't yet met. I don't know a lot of faces. I know that face is over there. But it's just kind of to come home and walk into the building, it really then began to feel like we hadn't even left. So Laurie just said to us, he said, oh, it's good to be home. And we're kind of walking in going... Yet it really is good to be home. It's, there's something special about being here for us. Uh, my children are all watching uh, the, 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 was it the podcast, webcast. I don't know what these casts are, but I know the... What is it? Live streaming, thank you. I've never been too high on technical things, but our children are watching this. And obviously, through their years of being here too and leaving from here, it's not 
until you leave something when you realize what you had. <laughs> so I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to help a lot of people, I hope and pray, um, to let you realize what you have. It's not to walk away or be elsewhere. It's to realize what you have while you're here. Now, old stubborn head over here, and Bishop Wright is probably smiling. I'm not even looking over that direction right now. But there were some lessons that I learned, and I'm saying the hard way. And I really hope and pray tonight before we leave that you're going to learn lessons that you don't have to go through. Is because what we have actually learned ourselves that we can now relate to you. And if you'd let me just preach just a little bit, um, not too long. What time do we have, Pastor Wright? Just preach. <laughs> you don't tell the English to keep talking because we might have another war. <laughs> and we won that one anyway, so, you know. Do I need to explain 1776 once more? Freedom! No, this is for Bishop and Sister Wright. I'm not going to go there tonight, sir. I'm not, honestly. I'm Actually, I'm an American. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to stop doing that. <laughs> I'm a full-blooded yank. And you know what was naught was awesome? I came into the airport... And I used to get nervous, because I used to get arrested. <laughs> you know, the UPCI missionary to England is for the third time arrested in Dulles Airport. It doesn't go well on the resume. <laughs> but I walked in this week, <laughs> and I actually held it up going, yeah. look at this. <laughs> Failing, I know they couldn't arrest me, but holding that up, I was proud of it. Because when, I, when I'm back in England, they call me the British Yank. They call me everything under the sun, basically. They, 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 they actually don't even know I'm British, half of them. Only recently at the general conference, some of them still ask me, so what part of America are you from? And I look at them and I go, well, I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. And they don't, and they don't even blink an eye because I look at me and go, we thought you had an accent. <laughs> so, I'm a proud Yank. So if you would turn with me to Second Chronicles, chapter 32, verse 31, and if you would stand for the reading of the Word of God. And it is Bishop Wright. It's an honor to be here the first night with you. You don't have to stand up. <laughs> Well, the scripture says we're going to hurt with those that hurt. So I hope you're hurting right now too. Because we're going to take the pain off him tonight. Starting in 32, it says, How be it in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, and in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. God left him 
to try him, that he might know all that was in his heart. Father, before we take our seats, we want to lift up our hearts to you. And God, as the word goes forward tonight, I want my heart to be open. I want to be able to hear, perceive and understand exactly what your spirit is trying to speak to us. That through this vessel of clay tonight, God, you can minister to these precious people. So I do give honor to you, Jesus, always. And I give honor due where honor is due to our bishop and his precious wife. In the name of Jesus, we do pray. The church said... God bless you folks. Thank you for standing for the word of God. In Psalms 105, in 17, he said, He sent a man before them, even Joseph, who was sold for a servant, whose feet they hurt with fetters, and he was laid in iron until the time that his word came and the word of the Lord tried him. And I want to give one more scripture. In Judges 2, 21. It says, I also will not henceforth drive out any from before them of the nations which Joshua left when he died, that through them I may prove Israel, whether they will keep the way of the Lord to walk in therein, as their fathers did keep it or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out hastily, neither delivered he them into the hand of Joshua. He left things, people, in Israel to test them. And I am sweating already. It's gone from like, I can hang meat up here. Now it's a Turkish bath. <laughs> 25 years ago, a 29-year-old walked into the doors of Antioch, totally clueless about God, absolutely knew nothing about God, no word of God, spirit of God, nothing. I <laughs> took me a couple of years to adjust my life. Would that be a fair assumption, Bishop? You say a couple of years? I'm going to probably say 24 years, I'm still adjusting. But I want, to, I want to help a lot of people because there's something that I wish somebody have, could have told me which would have helped me immensely and to get through things very quickly. And I'm going to use some of the youth over there. I was sitting in the chair today and I was praying and I was just kind of thinking a couple of things and I made a couple of more notes. And as I was sitting there, Something struck my heart when, when I first came into the church here. I came with a whole boatload, 747, train load, stuff that I didn't even know existed inside of me, my heart, spirit, life, everything. I never knew all this was there. Until you come to Antioch. So... As I was sitting there today, I looked at God from his perspective, the way he comes to us. And I was sitting there today looking at the way I came to him. I don't want to read too much, but from my perspective, and I'll be kind to myself, 
I came as a sinful, lying, hateful, angry, maybe promiscuous, not with addictions, but maybe a gossiping little slanderer, a libel, a cheat, lying, bitter. So I carry on. Bad attitude, full of pride, loads of shame, guilt, didn't know how to forgive, everything unholy, everything unrighteous. Does anybody kind of agree with me or you're sitting there really holy and no one was like this? Okay. This list is huge and it goes on and on and on. So, Michael, will you stand up and be bitter for me? Just stand up and be bitterness. Somebody can be, now I'm not saying this was me, so adultery, stand up. Just remember, when you st just stand up, come on. You're, 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 you're only... <laughs> Pride, shame, unforgiveness. Ooh. I won't put fornication out there. Liar. Is that enough? Cheat. Oh, I'd stand up. <laughs> so I walk into the doors of a church with a crazy looking guy over there, Daryl Savage. God really knows how to put people together, Daryl. We are from opposite spectrums of the earth, from the world, and somehow God found it in his wisdom to give me Daryl and to give Daryl me. So I walk into the church on a Sunday morning and at 3.30 that morning I had a visitation. I had a demonic spirit wake me at 3.30 in the morning and talk to me and tell me that I was his. I've never been, I mean fear was never part of our family but today that fear I can never explain it. I've never been so frightened in all my life. And when this thing was talking to me and I shouted out Jesus Christ and it disappeared in front of my eyes and don't forget I have never been to church in my life I have no idea about this and then a wind blew in my bedroom for about 10 minutes that was so powerful and I'm looking at my wife who was fast asleep and I've had something come and speak to me and disappeared and I got a wind blowing in my bedroom and this thing just blew my mind. It was at the mighty rushing wind and, and I'm sitting on my bed thinking he's going to kill me. And That died down and then a light came up on the, on the baseboard and the, the sun rose in my bedroom at quarter to four in the morning. To say I was kind of arrested or got my attention. If you want to get your attention, ask God for stuff like that. Now, I that morning, totally freaked out, meet Daryl Savage, I told my wife what's happened, you stay there, because you hung around for too long, some of you guys, and I come and tell my wife what happened, and she opened the front door for me, and she kicked me out the house, and she said, you go to this apostolic Antioch church, and I was like, lady, I got no other choice. So I walk up to Daryl and literally kind of took him by the lapels. And I said, what have you got me into? And he's looking at me going, well, what happened? You look awful. I said, I haven't slept all night. 
It's because of you. And he, he, what happened? And I told him, and he was like, ooh. He was all excited, and I'm completely freaked out. So we come in, and I walk in, and there's all these people clapping and worshipping. Well, I knew he didn't know it was clapping and worshipping. It was, it was awesome to see it, but I walk in, and I sit in the middle, and then all these people, and Sister Wright is, I mean, I, I love music, and she was playing that organ, and I was just transfixed on that Hammond. And I'm going, man. I'm not going to say something. Sean, if I said John Lord to you, would that ring a bell? Right. That's what I'm thinking of at the church. I'm thinking of the music I used to listen to, going, wow, I could get into this. And I'm sitting, and then Bishop Wright gets up and preaches. I've never been in a church in my life, so I'm sitting there going, this is pretty cool. This is neat. I like it, kind of. So then... <laughs> Service finishes and Bishop Wright walks up to me. Hey, man. I said, hello, how are you? Oh, you're English. And then you told me what your last name was. I was like, that's very English. And he said, you're coming tonight. I look at Bishop Wright and said, I've never been to church in my life and you go twice in one day? And I said, do you want me, you want me to come again? Wow, you people are serious. But then I was like, nah, nah, it's fine, you know. Thank you for inviting me. And, and then Daryl walks up next to me. And he's like, are you coming tonight? I thought, man, these people. I said, that, the, the, the big fella just told me to come tonight too. And, and then you want me to come? I said, nah, it's, it's good. I enjoyed it. And then he went, well, let me ask you a question. If what happened to you this morning happens again. He said, I teach Bible studies. And I said, well, what time does that Bible study start? Because if that happens to me again on this morning, no, what time? He said, seven o'clock. I said, I'm coming. So I go to Daryl's house and Daryl gets his Bible chart out and I'm a little bit obnoxious. Um, arrogant? No. Yeah. I'll stop beating myself up now. And I look at Dad and I said, Who do you think you are teaching me about the Bible? Are you a priest? And I never get his answer. He said, I have the Holy Ghost and I got the Word of God and that's what's going to teach you. And I was like, Fair, that's. You got. I couldn't say anything, could I? I was like, Okay. So then I went, if this is that real, prove it. And then I put my finger in the air and said, God, if you're that real, prove it. Yeah. <laughs> You've got to be careful what you say and what you ask for. Because then Daryl, now don't forget I am so naive. Daryl said, let's pray. And there's a Bible study chart, and there's a black chart with a big finger on it, and an earth. And I'm staring at this chart going, wow. And he went, we're going to pray. So my best Church of England pose. I never prayed in my life, but I'm going to explain what I've just said in a few minutes. Stay there, boys. 
Because you never got tired when you were trying to chase me back. So you stay there. And then, as I'm sitting, Dad will start speaking in a funny language. And I'm looking at him going, he's lost it. He's come up with some kind of new fandangled conversation he's having with something over there. But I have no idea. And all of a sudden, something massive, enormous came behind me. And I began to sit and look at Daryl. I'm like, Daryl, there's something here. Something's behind me and Daryl just goes off even more. And then all of a sudden, my whole body sets on fire. And from my feet to the top of my head to the end of my fingertips, I began to shake. And I'm looking at Daryl going, ooh. There's something happening. But then I couldn't speak for 45 minutes. I sat in Daryl's house and my whole body was on fire. And I stopped it and I'm shaking. And I look at him and go, what's this? He says, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I was like, this is awesome. Carry on. (laughs) So for another 20 minutes, I'm sitting there. And I was shaking uncontrollable. So I go home, and I'm still shaking. And I couldn't even get my key in my front door. It's all over the place. So I knocked the door, and I, my wife opened the door, and she went, what's happened to you? Now, my wife is a good Catholic. Doesn't go in the same sentence, does it? But anyway, my wife was a Catholic. And she looked at me, and she said, what has happened to you? I said, apparently... I've received the Holy Ghost. I have no idea what it is, but I just got summoned, and I like it. So she says, what do you mean you got the Holy Ghost? I said, I don't know. You go to church, not me. You should be able to tell me about what I got. So then she says, are you going back? I said, I got to go back. I like this feeling. This has kind of got my attention. I like it. Every bit of love and joy and peace and everything I've ever wanted in my life was there in Daryl's house. I want to go back for some more of that. So I said, give me one year. 25 years ago. And she said, one year. Didn't you, baby? She's still there. Look, she's still with me. She gave me a year. Right, here's the journey. So I become, Pastor, I became addicted. I don't know if you realize that I was. I become addicted to the church, addicted to see more things happen. And, and, and I, I used to watch Bishop Wright pray for people. And I used to, you dear, I know I, I'm going to let some stuff out the bag tonight. I've got to do this. <laughs> and he never knew this, but I would go right up next to him and listen. Because I want to know how then people were falling all over the place when he prayed for them and not many other people was making that happen. So I used to go and listen. And I used to go, ooh, man, he means business too. So I used to go all the time and sneak up. I'd, I'd get behind. I'd put my hand on people and just listen. You know, a lot of, a lot of you people want to get spiritual, you stand there. 
Well, I used to do for a purpose. I wanted to hear how to pray. How to pray for people. So I'm back in the place where I learned how to pray for people. I'm back in the place where I, used to, I learned how to worship. I learned how to praise God. I learned how to dance in this, in this church. I learned everything I needed to learn to be sent out of here and go into the mission field after 11 years. But here's your problem. Right. Who are you? Peter. Whoa. So there I am after about a year. I, I used to love it. I mean, then we had the manifests. And all them things that we did, meet meetings and, oh man, it was, I used to go to work just going, I've got to get this done so I can get to church. And then there's this crazy preacher one day, because I thought everything was always going to be happy and nice and wonderful. Coming to church was fantastic. And then somebody starts to speak about forgiveness and bitterness. And I'm standing there going, that must be everybody else. Because I ain't got none of that in me. And then, I'd go home from church Sunday afternoon. I, never, I didn't always like Sunday afternoons. Because I had to digest what you'd said to me on Sunday morning. And sometimes I'd leave the church chuntering to myself. Forgiveness. Preachers. These preachers get on your nerves. <laughs> I'm not going back there tonight. Because I'm staying at home. Because this man gets did getting on my nerves. I thought everything was happy and hunky-dory. But he starts telling me I've got to start to forgive some things. And I'm thinking, I have. And then God's going, you haven't. Why do you think you're who's angry? One of you angry, you be angry. Step forward a little bit angry. Bitterness. Anybody with unforgiveness? You? You stay there a minute. These were good ones for me, Bishop. So then, I'd go home and tell my wife, I don't like this feeling. I don't particularly want to go back. Because I thought church was always going to be smelling roses and drinking coffee. And worshipping and having good stuff told me that I wanted to hear. But not the stuff that I had to hear. And then Bishop Wright started to say, other people in your life, that when you hear the names or... A situation, an event or a circumstance comes up and something changes inside of you. And I'm standing there going, oh dear. i got a whole list of them. i got a... They just used to roll in front of me. And I said, go, um, oh God. I thought all this was dealt with at my baptism. So then, he said, anybody got any bitterness towards their father? 
Oh dear. Well, that was just like a sledgehammer came off the platform, hit me smack dab in the forehead, and I felt like I'd done about 12 backflips backwards. And I'm standing there resisting as much as I could, thinking, you want me to forgive my dad? That's ridiculous. You don't know what he used to say to me. Now I'm born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, loving God. So Bishop, you don't, you don't understand what you've just said. And then, if that is causing anger or bitterness, you need to repent of it and ask God to forgive you. Woo! That's some serious stuff right there. So I remember going home, saying to my wife, I, I, I can't go back. Because this, this stuff I don't want to deal with. I just want God to just take it away. Because I didn't want to deal with the issues of my life. And I thank God that God placed me in this church. Because we have a ministry in this church that all the ministry wants to do is to see you succeed in the kingdom of God. And I started to pray that day and I started to look at my, my dad and think the things that that man used to say and do he was hurtful. And I said, God, I can't forgive this. I'm too angry when I think back. And then the Lord just immediately reminded me of why I came to this church. A few months before I came, I put Matthew to bed. He was two years of age. I had never prayed in my life. And I laid Matt in his bed and I said, God, if you're real, I can't have a relationship with my son like I did with my dad. I can't be a father to my son like my father was to me. The Lord reminded me, that's how you've ended up in the church that I have placed you. And don't ever forget that, folks. If you're in here, this is where God has placed you for the purpose of taking us from a, a life of not knowing God to a life of serving God. And then I'm, I come back and I get to the church. And bishops ask for people for prayer at the front. And I am doing everything I can do to sit on my chair. I'm not moving. I know what you said to me today, God, but I'm, not, I'm just not ready for this. And I was angry. I was angry that somebody was talking to me about this. And then I am. I used to sit about right there, every service. And then I find myself walking up. Bishop, how many times you prayed for me? It was phenomenal.
If you think about all the years that I came for prayer, I never told you why. Ever. Because it hurt. Every time I would come and stand at the front of the church, the guy that really bugged me that day was heading for me. And I'm thinking he's going to pray for me now. I was angry at him for the last four hours between the services. And I'm standing there going, God, and I open one eye and, oh no, he's going to lay hands upon me again. And then you'd hear this, amen. And I'd melt. And I'd go, Bishop, you don't know what I wanted to do today. And there you are praying for me. And I started to look at these bitterness, this anger, unforgiveness. And then I began to pray. Because I could feel every single time I came into the church, it was like a big spotlight was on my head. And I'm sitting there every time I came in and it was like that one and that and that piece and that part and this. And so I went home. I went home angrily to pray. Okay, God, I'm sick of this. I've been praying for my brothers. I've been praying for my sister. I've been praying for their, their children. I've been praying for my mum. I was missing one out. So I began to pray. Don't let my family be lost, Jesus. And then out of my mouth came, Father, save my father. And I began to pray for him because I realized if that man hadn't have treated me like he did, I wouldn't be standing here today. So then I began to thank God for letting my dad be like my dad was to me. So he would have, if, I, if it hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have prayed and I wouldn't be standing here tonight. So I began to look into the face of the things that angered me and caused the bitterness and, the, and the, the anger and the unforgiveness and began to pray for that specific person. It was the problems that I had that brought me to this place. Come on, folks. And when I read scripture after scripture telling me that God left things in me to test me, to make me a better person in Him, I began to make more sense to me that the things that I was dealing with were purposeful. In a, in a, in a sense, Bishop, I used to then begin to enjoy preaching. Because when it used to hit me square in the jaw, I'd be like, back to the front I come. I used to have my own footprints. Sean, how many times did you see me come to an altar? Many. So then, I made, I made a vow to myself and God. Every time there's a surface, service, I'm coming to the altar. And if there's anything in there, get it out of me. So I used to come. And if Bishop was talking about promiscuity, homosexuality... 
I'd walk up and go, if one of you think. Because I'm coming to pray. <laughs> ah. So then, all of a sudden, take you see. The bitterness left. And the anger and the unforgiveness left. Take your seats, fellas. And then I had a freedom. Something was released. And then I go home. And my dad still was my dad. He used to come to America and come and see us. And after my mother passed away, he came to my house. I lived down in Harwood and my dad would come into my house and I expected once that he might say, well done, son. And my wife, bless her, stood behind him in the kitchen. And for the first time in my life, I expected my dad to go, well done. And he walked in and he went, you ain't done too bad, have you? And then my wife is behind him going, no. No. Don't say anything. And I'm just thinking, I've just had to pray you out of everything about you. And then it was back in my face. So then I have to go pray again. God, this is unbelievable. I just got rid of this. No, you didn't. He actually brought him to my house to make, test me. To make sure that I was really telling myself the truth if I had forgiven him or not. And he was in my face in my house. Hey! And guess what? I come to church that night. Shame. I can't win God. And then you... Then you did a week on it. <laughs> so I'm sitting in this shame seminar going, ah. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, help me. Oh, wham, bam. Oh, I was like, God, is this, is this it now? Have I nearly finished? Oh, don't forget the guilt. Oh, God. All these things were left to test me. <laughs> a few years after, I'm in England at a general conference. And somehow my dad came to the conference. And I used to love altar calls. Because after I watched Bishop Wright praying for everybody, man, I get these fingers ready. <laughs> Woo! Hey! <laughs> it was awesome! And it got stronger as I was giving more of me to God. And I began to realize that. So then I am at an altar call in England praying for people. And then my wife is at the back going, 
So I look and go, what? I'm praying. And she's going, it's your dad. Oh, no. Ha, right. Woo. Okay, Jesus. Here's the test. You're testing me. I know. I've never prayed so hard in all my life going across a crowd. And I get all the way to my dad. And my wife's going, pray for him. The fingers aren't working. They got dead. <laughs> but then, I look at my dad and my heart just melted. This tough exterior whose harsh words have been so cutting and so painful. All of a sudden, this is my father. He was a soul that God loved and died for. And I said, Dad, I want to pray for you. And I see my dad's face contort. And there's something else I learned here was how to cast out demons. And I looked and I said, Satan, that's my father. And tonight you lose him. In the name of Jesus, you back off. Go back to that pit you came from. Because tonight he's going to go into the kingdom of God. My dad said, I'm going to pray for your dad. And he looked at me and he said, son, I need to say something. And my brother Mark was standing there, my wife and his wife, and there were seven grandchildren all around granddad. And my dad lifted his hands to heaven. And he said, Jesus, forgive me for what I did to my children. I don't remember much after that. I remember sliding to the floor with my hand upon my dad's chest, weeping uncontrollably. And my brother Mark fell on me. So he and I are just holding on to each other, weeping. And I look up, and my father is just flowing, speaking in heavenly language. Tongues are just flowing from my father's lips. And I stood up and I looked at my dad and he couldn't even speak English. He was just talking in tongues. And I look at Mark and everyone else and the whole family's weeping and we're looking at our dad. And The Lord spoke to me so clearly. If you hadn't have forgiven him, that wouldn't have been you praying for him tonight. The very reason I am in the church today was because of the way the man had spoken and treated us. And I happened to be the one that prayed my father through into the kingdom of God. Take your seat, you two. And by now, all these things are leaving. Slowly but surely, God began to point all these areas out in my life, showing me that if you, you can't go on, you can't live for me. You're never going to see what it's like really living for me until you deal with this. 25 years on, I remember in this church, the lessons that I learned with the people in the church. (laughs) 
I'm not going to say any names. Sean, no. I had, a con- I had a contracting business and there was somebody who's going to do some work for me and vowed it'll be done by Friday and it was my biggest ever contract. And I did not want to lose this contract. And this person wouldn't answer the phone. I went down to the office, couldn't find the people. My clients are telling me if you don't get it by Saturday morning, we're going to drop you and go somewhere else. These are lessons to learn. So I'm freaking out by now. I was a little bit volatile once in a while. And then I go and find the beautiful chap that was supposed to get this stuff to the clients for me so I could sign a contract. And it was the best contract I'd ever had. I didn't want to lose this. Got to feed the kids. Got to pay my ties. So they ended up going down to an office and I basically broke in and found this wonderful chap sitting at a desk and I grabbed a... I hadn't got my license yet. (laughs) And I grabbed hold of the desk and I said, you've got two hours or I'm going to kill you. I hadn't got my license before my license. <laughs> and then this lovely individual didn't get it to the people. And I come to church Sunday morning, fit to kill. I was going to just go to jail and spend a few years eating three meals a day and getting plenty of exercise. I didn't care. I come and sit next to Daryl. He looked at me and went, you okay? I said, nope. See, what's the matter? I said, him. And he was worshipping. He was dancing. And I go, how can he do that? I want to just take him out and pull his arms and legs off. Daryl said, what a fool, what a stupid thing to say, Daryl. He went, go and ask him to forgive you. I said, are you nuts? (laughs) Forgive? I've done nothing wrong. It's him. And he said, ooh, he's got you, hasn't he? So I'm sitting there. Oh, it wasn't a fire of the Holy Ghost, I promise you. So he said, if you don't do that before you leave, you're in trouble. I said, I've got to ask him to forgive me. I come out of my seat. I was like John Wayne. And I walked up to the altar area and he was still worshipping. So I walked up and tapped him on the shoulder. I said, hey, will you forgive me for getting angry this week? Anyway, yep. <laughs> and I turned around. I looked at Daryl and I went, 
except for me, which I always did. And he went, ask him, tooth I'll give you. I said, I did. And he's going, now, someone get you. So I turned around and went, Would you forgive me for getting so angry with you this week? (laughs) And he went, yes, I'm waiting for him to go. Would you forgive me for completely letting you down? (laughs) I was justified, vilified. And he never said it. And I turned around. You know what you preach that day? Forgiveness. I'm like, did somebody tell Bishop Wright that I got an issue today? And I turned away, sat in my seat, and he was still worshipping. And I still wanted to strangle him. And Donald's going, did you forgive him? I'm going, yes, I forgive him. He's supposed to forgive me. And all of a sudden, I closed my eyes and put my head back. And it was just like a a thousand pound of weight just came off my heart. And I walked back down the front. And I put my arms around him. I said, I love you. Thank you for forgiving me. And I went back to my seat. I didn't walk, I floated. All these things was to take me to another day. All this was happening to take me to a, a mission field that I could not have survived if this church hadn't have been the absolute ministry that only could have affected my life. To get me ready to go and get my tail kicked like you wouldn't believe when we arrived in Great Britain. But I look at Bishop right these days, Bishop. How many times I've texted and said I love you and thank you. and I think I've apologised on how many times. Please forgive me. Because I was a knucklehead. And it's the kind of Ask him, right, is anything else? <laughs> and then he wouldn't text me back. And then I go, he's left me on my own. I just read that, didn't I? He used to leave me on my own. And I go, he don't love me no more. I keep, <laughs> help, nothing. A text, a call. An email left me on my own. And then I read stuff like this and go, Oh God. I go, Thank you, Bishop, for all those times you left me on my own. Because we survived. Because what it taught me was to lie upon God. <laughs> to be able to look at Him as my provider, as my help. 
as my God, as my Savior, as my King, as my Lord, as my Master, as my Creator. And that's why today I'm, I am, today, I've, we have just got into our 15th year. We're, you know, we're veterans now. I'm the youngest veteran in global missions. And there's so many things over the years, just sitting on these seats like where you are, that I dealt with because of the ministry of this church. Anybody kind of be a witness to this? A few, a few of us are really being truthful. Because without this ministry, folks, you'd be dead. You'd be lost. Some, somebody would be still sitting on a bar stool somewhere. and Somebody would still be living with somebody's wife they shouldn't be living with. And, and all these things that I thought that instantly my baptism would have taken care of would have immediately been out of my life. And I remember praying before I left here. And I said, God, you've got to help me with this. King David become a man after God's own heart. And that was a prayer I used to pray. Can I have a heart that's just like yours, Jesus? One afternoon, I come home from church... And Bishop began to just preach something that just knocked me off my chair and sent me home thinking and praying. And so I got to my house and I said, God, how did you make David a man after your own heart? <laughs> I got the answer which today still floors me. He said, I used the flesh of another human being to get David what I wanted David to be. He used the humanity of King Saul to take the shepherd boy David to be the king. And he allowed the uncontrolled flesh of another human being to make him be the man after God's own heart. I want you to start to look as we're kind of closing. The very reason that you're sitting here, we struggle with so many things because we actually refused to look it square in the face and say, God, I now know why I feel like I feel. Does anybody struggle with fears? Anybody struggle with gossiping? That's amazing. Anybody struggle with lying? <laughs> Anybody struggle with anger? Keep your hands up. Have a look at those people with the hands up and keep away from them. No, I'm joking. <laughs> You've got to look at the exact reason why God has left these things in your life. I used to walk out of the church 
angry, knocked. I want to call Bishop Wright and tell him how I really felt. And all the time, I knew that he loved me. And in all this process, because I knew there was a day coming, one day, that I always said, and Brother Wright told me years ago, that you won't be here all the time of your life. He told me I would leave this congregation and go back home to England. And those things, that, those days when I listened to that, I would look and laugh and go, no, it's never going to happen. And to actually get me out of the church, the most amazing thing happened to me. Brother Wright told me something. He said, there's a situation coming up that the hand of God is upon it. Well, if that was the hand of God for that, the way I felt, I missed it. And for many months, I was dealing with a deep inset anger, which I thought was all taken care of and finished and done with. And the one day I called up Bishop Wright, I said, I need to come and see you. I knew the day I laid on my face in my house and the Lord came and visited me in St. Margaret's and told me that I went to the slaughter like a lamb without ever opening my mouth. And there's a couple of things in your life and look at the condition that you're in right now. I remember calling Bishop and said, I've got to come and see you. And that was one of the greatest meetings I ever actually had with you. Because the week after, my next conversation with, with Bishop Wright was, will you send me home to England? And when I left here, the first year we got to England, everything I dealt with right before we left would have destroyed me, would have literally probably taken my life if I had not have allowed Bishop Wright to be my pastor to speak some home truths that I never, ever wanted to hear. He used to get into my heart, into my soul. And that was the greatest thing that I have ever done, was actually submit myself to my pastor. He changed my life to the place where today I can honestly say, the greatest thing I can, I can say to you, Bishop Wright, is the amount of places we've preached and gone to. And men have come up to me and said, you remind me of somebody. It's amazing, isn't it? You remind me of somebody and I go, tell me who. He said, do you know Brother Wright? I said, I've never heard of him. And I go, yes, I do. And they go, man, you're just like him. And I go, he's my pastor. And they go, wow. And I go, wow. <laughs> yes, that's my pastor. And I've had so many people, I just said, Brother Gross back say, so many people. And I think the greatest compliment I can ever pay to yourself and to your wife is they know us. As soon as we minister the gospel, because of who you are. And know our pastor through the people of the church 
de mis pastos. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Now I want to hand my microphone over to Pastor David before I do. Are we going to have an altar call tonight? Can we? I really hope and pray. I didn't come to just and preach. I came to open my heart up to the church that I love, to this family that I love dearly. But I wanted to come because I, I was born and raised on these seats. And what God has done through me and my family because of Bishop and Sister Wright has been phenomenal. I've literally seen thousands of people receive the Holy Ghost. It's been an absolute phenomenal walk. And we've been away from the church longer than we was actually at the church. And all I can say is that I would hope that the things I've just said tonight, I know these young men were standing there, but if there are things like this in your life and you know are still there, Will you allow this church and this ministry to be honest with you and you be honest with them? And don't go out of here tonight saying, well, that was just another service, just another preacher preaching away. I am a homegrown Antioch convert. That I know a lot of you, and you know what breaks my heart? Bishop, there's so many people that are not here today because they wouldn't let you be the pastor. So many men and women names I could just reel off and a lot of these guys behind me are behind me and know them all. But so many, so many people that aren't here today because they wouldn't let the ministry of this church be the minister that would change their life forever. So Pastor David Wright, I'm going to give you this microphone back. If you would come to this front of this church tonight and would you come and pray together? I'm just sitting, look around at everybody else. Because I know there's people, when I was talking, I could see people's faces. And I could see things hidden home in people. Knowing full well what I just said, that, that dealt with you. And that was part of your life. And that's how you feel. I just want to let you, just let you know, this is the safest place in the world. That you can literally come and lay your life down and open your heart up to God. Because you're never going to find people like this that are going to love you. And only want the best. And to see your family and yourself make this journey and succeed. So in Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on. Open your heart, open your spirit right now to the work of the Holy Ghost that's in this place.